Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Corey Russell. He's the founder of Burning and Shining Lamp Ministries. He's on the global leadership team at Upper Room in Dallas, Texas, and he has a heart to see people burning on fire for God, falling in love with their bridegroom. Corey, thank you for being with us today. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And uh, I want to take you back to uh, 1996, 1997, uh, when you were in college, and um, you and your friend Zach had gotten caught up in the ways of the world. Tell us about what happened at that time. We really found ourselves really going deep into drugs. I don't know what exactly it was, but I was really big into athletics and sports in my high school years, and then when that was out of the equation, I guess I was in an identity crisis. Didn't know who I was, and I really went deep into the drugs, and it was hitting our area in northwest Arkansas really hard, and before we knew it, we were just swept up into it and the kind of drugs that keep you up three or four days a week at a time. And and uh, it, it got really, really dark for 96 into 97, and it was a really dark time. And uh, But we had praying parents. Um, and, uh, you know, Zach's mom was, you know, fiery intercessor. My parents were prayed. And... Uh, and it, it culminated really on February 1st, 1997, where my friend, really Zach, he'd gone through about three to four months of just kind of, uh, for lack of better terms, he just was weird. He, he quit talking. He was staring off in the distance. He wasn't, he wasn't there anymore. We were really concerned about him. Well, it really culminated on February 1st, 1997. I had been at the University of Arkansas party in that night. It's my birthday. And so I drive up to his house another day to hang out with him. We just kind of took him everywhere we went. And I pulled up into the driveway and I hadn't seen him in a few days. And he comes running out the front door, screaming at me at the top of his lungs saying, Corey, it's heaven or hell. Corey, it's heaven or hell. You have to make a decision right now. I'm backing up. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? What's going on? He says, you've got to give your life to Jesus. And I said, I'm not doing that. And I grabbed my friend and, and we leave. And it was known that his mother had, prayed him through a three-day deliverance, and uh, he had come back to the Lord. Uh, he had been away from the Lord for many years, and the Lord, through his mom, prayed him through a powerful three-day deliverance. He got saved, and I got angry and uh, felt really, I guess, betrayed. We'd put up with all of his weirdness, and you don't get saved at 20 years old. You get saved when you're closer to 30 and when you want to settle down and have a family, and so I was really hurt, and uh Two weeks later, he showed up. I was still in college, barely. And uh, he came, and he says, hey, can I take you to lunch? And so he took me to lunch, and he began to share with me that for those several months where he was weird, what was happening was he was actually seeing in the spirit realm. He was seeing angels and demons and seeing what was controlling people. And he could see that we were being controlled by real demons. And uh, he took me to lunch. He said, Corey, this was freaking me out. He says, and we were shut up. He says, it all came to a head when we were shut up in a house for several days. 
and the voice of the Lord broke in the middle of a party that we were at, and the Lord said that uh, Satan is raising up an army, but that he's raising up an army too, and he's calling Zach out, and Zach's supposed to call us out. And he says, Corey, you need to give your life to Jesus. By this time, I had two DWIs. I was very hard, and I, my, I just was in a hardened state in my life, but I, I just said, dude, just shut up and take me back to school. I don't ever want to talk to you again. And so he drove back to the college, and right before I got out of the van in the college parking lot, the Holy Spirit filled the van. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I just felt a presence move into the van. And before I knew it, I was shaking violently like I was having a seizure. And he pulls in the back of the parking lot. And he starts praying. All I could see was a tug-of-war battle between light and darkness over my soul. And after a little bit, he goes, in the name of Jesus, I bind the Antichrist spirit. And as soon as he did, it manifested into a chokehold around my throat. And I couldn't breathe, and I knew I had to get out the name Jesus. But all I could get out was Jesus, 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 Jesus. And he kept saying, say it, say it. And I said, I'm trying, I'm trying. And then finally, I just remember taking a deep breath and with all the power inside of me, just screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus. And right when I said his name, the hold broke off of my throat. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth at that moment. And all I could say for about the first five minutes is, I've got air, I've got air, I've got air. And then after about five minutes, I heard a voice as clear as day coming to my mind. And the voice says, get out of the van, get on the pavement and give me your life, your mind. So it was February 18th, 1997. I'm in a college parking lot, kids running everywhere. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs out in the parking lot, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. And, and then I, in that moment, passed from death to life, forgiven of all sins. All addiction was immediately broken. And, uh, and I've never been the same since. So that was, what, 23, 24 years ago. And, and I have never been the same since that moment. And I remember sitting on my porch swing for two hours that afternoon, undone by how blue the sky was, how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. And uh, I haven't been the same since. Wow, that's amazing. I love how you say that on February 18th, 1997, in one touch of the presence of God, the power of addiction was broken in one moment. So can you pray for those who, uh, who have children who are stuck in addiction, or maybe there's people listening right now and they're still stuck in addiction. Can you pray that they will have that encounter or the presence of God that will break that power? Yes, Lord. You told me, God, that what you did in that moment, God, I pray right now for all of those that are listening to this podcast, all of those that are in addiction are praying for those that have loved ones in addiction. Father, I pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. I pray for an anointing, a, a bondage-breaking anointing to come upon intercession, a spirit of prayer to come upon them, a spirit of intercession. Release it, Lord. You said this kind comes out by prayer and fasting, and I pray, God, for grace of fasting upon moms and dads for loved ones, for sons and daughters. God, I pray that you would release the power of intercession and that you would release bondage-breaking anointing in the name of Jesus. Deliverance, I pray, God. What you did for me, do for hundreds and thousands of those that will listen to this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Corey. 
after your salvation experience, you spent some time with three women who taught you how to pray through. What what did they teach you? This was the thing that drew me to them, is that whenever they opened their mouth, I could feel God. And I could tell they knew God, and they had authority on them when they prayed. And so, you know, they taught me about early morning prayer. They taught me about late night prayer. They taught me about carrying a burden and praying through. And... And, you know, I just was around them praying the Bible, learning how to pray the Bible, prophetic prayers, getting verses and pleading those verses, and, and, and being faithful to continually bring those verses before the Lord. And I think they just taught me of the effective, fervent, persistent praying, the power it has in heaven. And I, and I just really learned a lot by just the value that it had of being around them and and. That's really where I cut my teeth in intercession was with these ladies, and I'm, and I'm forever grateful for them for that. Corey, you wrote a new book called Teach Us to Pray, Prayer That Accesses Heaven and Changes Earth. I love that title. What, why did God tell you to write that book? Luke 11, the disciples' desire to be taught in prayer has always kind of been a has been one of the main chapters and main realities in my life. The thing that blows me away in Luke 11 is that the disciples were in every revival service for three and a half years with Jesus. They heard every message, witnessed every miracle, saw every deliverance, and then were with Jesus for the campfire chats after every revival service. And we don't see one recorded time where they asked Jesus, teach us to preach or teach us to heal, or teach us to deliver, or to do miracles. And so the thing that's always struck my life is that the one thing the disciples wanted to learn from Jesus was teach us to pray. Take us by the hand and tell us how to pray and accessing heaven. And I think it's a travesty, and and it's a burden that's always been on me, because I don't hear much of that in our discipleship in the church. I don't hear much about it. And then, too, I think there, I, I, I don't hear many people, many leaders that are trying to take a generation by the hand and, and bring them into the prayer life. And I, I just began to ask myself this question a couple of years ago. If the greatest leader ever produced this in his disciples, what am I producing in those who are around me the most, that hear me the most? Do they want my preaching gift or what happens when I close my eyes and engage with heaven? And I felt the Lord really began to press that upon me, and which in other words is I began to ask myself this, does anybody want my prayer life? And I believe that needs to be the new litmus test for leadership and discipleship is are you producing that in those that are around you the most? Or are they in awe of your oration skills or your wisdom skills or your administration skills or anything else? And so I thought a couple of years ago that the Lord began to say, Corey, I've been asking the Lord for 20 years, teach me to pray. And he said, Corey, I don't, he goes, I want you to take what you've learned the last 20, 25 years in giving yourself to prayer, and I want you to teach the next generation. I want you to take a generation by the hand and begin to intentionally give the tools that you've connected with to help a generation connect to heaven and see heaven invade earth. So that was a lot of the motivation. It's been growing for 25 years, but it really crystallized a few years back when I felt the Lord commissioned me to teach the next generation to pray. 
That's so good. And and um, the Lord taught you about the Lord's Prayer, and you break it down and teach a little bit on that. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Lord's Prayer and just break down the, especially the beginning parts of that? Well, I, I think it's very insightful in the Lord's Prayer that he teaches us how to pray, because I imagine when most of us think of prayer, we think of a list. And Jesus doesn't start the Lord's Prayer with asking for something. But he actually begins it with talk with, with a person, a place, and his name. And I think that we've got to reconnect a generation to the Father in heaven whose name is holy. And what that gives us in that three-word phrase, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, that is the throne room of God. That is Revelation chapter 4, the Father sitting on his throne, Holy is his name in heaven, and we've got to begin to reorient the perspective of a generation to connect with heaven. And so, you know, most of us, again, I want to say that when most of us think of prayer, we think of list. When Jesus thinks of prayer, he thinks of a person, a place, and his name. And I feel like that's the first thing that he brings us to, and I feel like that indicts us because most of us only think about prayer and what we need. And I believe that God wants to bring us to the throne room, and there's going to come one prayer out of us, and it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's the point. You can only release on the earth what you're encountering in heaven. You can only, uh, you can only release into earth what you're encountering in heaven. And, and I think that's indicting because you can't release what you're not encountering. So that's a little bit of the first. I mean, the Lord hits daily bread. He hits daily provision, deliverance from temptation. Every phrase of the Lord's Prayer is a library in heaven, which we could spend forever looking at. But I sum it up in the book that I believe in the Lord. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus taught us two major principles of prayer. Number one, learning how to walk through the open door. That's number one, which means learning how to come out of shame, rejection, guilt, condemnation, and learning how to enter in to that fully accepted place in the Father's house, in the throne room. And then the second one is about knocking on closed doors until they get opened. Wow, that's that's powerful. And you also teach in your book on um, in order to bring God's power and glory to the earth, we need to learn to wait on him and sit at his feet. Can you teach on that a little bit? Yeah, we, we live in such a convenient microwave generation. The stuff of prayer, honestly, and that, that, that's kind of insightful to, to why the Lord is just releasing me to write this book. I did it for 20 years before I've written on it. And I, I think the sitting at his feet, it's sitting long enough for you to get quiet long enough and for the Lord to take you on a journey of learning how to ascend above life's circumstances, above life's storms, of learning how to stay there and let his voice become the loudest. And when sitting at his feet, I look at Mary of Bethany and how she, she declared war on the God of busyness, distraction, and anxiety. And she, she uh, connected with his voice, and that was the definer of her life. And I believe that sitting at his feet is the elevator to the throne room. It's the first floor of the elevator to the throne room, which means you slow down, 
you sit down, you shut up, and you let him talk first. And prayer doesn't begin with you talking. That's another big point of prayer that I hit in the book. Prayer doesn't begin with you talking, but with you listening and you receiving. And I think that needs, we need to reorient ourselves in prayer. And the sitting starves out all of the voices of success. And you got to do something and performance. And you got to, and prayer starves that thing out and takes you to the throne room. So that's how I connect those two. I love that. Yeah. And I, I, there was something you said in your book about listening to Jesus. And you said, we've lost the power of his word in our mouth because we've lost the power of his word in our ears. I love that. That's amazing. Absolutely. Can you teach on the different values to building a, a life of prayer? I have found in my journey, I believe they're consistent throughout history. And I hit about seven different things that have helped in my prayer life, practical things, because that was one of the desires in this book. Everybody knows they need to pray. Everybody's told in lots of books, hey, pray, pray, pray. And everybody knows they need to pray, and they mostly feel ashamed that they don't pray. But I, I'm like saying, you know what? we got to help people. we got to break it down. What does life look like? I want to do more than get everybody excited about prayer, and it lasts for two weeks. I want to give people real tools to walk out prayer for decades. And so for me, I have found that one of the big things in my life is early morning prayer. I got a hold of this in my 20s where I began to go to bed by 10 and began to wake up by 5.30. And what began to happen is, is God became my first conversation of the day. I began to look at God the first thing in the morning and hear his voice first thing in the morning. I found it recalibrated me. It washed me. It uh, renewed me in the stillness because it was the time where my soul is the most quiet that I found that his word was the greatest definer of my life. Before I did anything, I got connected to who I am, to him. And, and early morning prayer has so many, it's a recalibration of your soul. It's a, it attunes your soul to the tuning fork of heaven. It connects you to him. And it reorients, it brings your emotions under his leadership, your thoughts under his leadership, your desires under his leadership, and you get filled with the knowledge of his will. And I find that the rest of my day flows out of what happens in those first couple of hours every morning. That's the first one. And then the second one that I've really engaged over the years is the power of praying in tongues. I've written the book Glory Within with Destiny back in about 2000. 11, one of the things that have brought greatest transformation to my life, I, I see three movements in my prayer life. One is sitting and soaking and meditating and, uh, uh, you know, just meditating in the Word, receiving. And then number two, it's praying in tongues and beginning. I, I like to give everybody a vision to go for 20 minutes in one setting every day. Preferably for me, it's in the morning where I will get up, I will pace. And I will walk in a room, and I will begin to pray in tongues, and I put my mind on the throne room and on God within my spirit. And my mind will get distracted. Your mind will get distracted every five seconds. But what I've found is keep bringing it back to its focal point. And after about 15 minutes, there comes a shift. And most people never touch the shift. But this shift, when you begin to break through from reaching for God in prayer into moving with God in prayer, 
that's when you begin to move into that spirit-inspired praying that brings forth the will of God into the earth. And that's the power of praying in tongues. wrote a whole book on this. I could talk about this for days. I care so deeply about it. And then number three is the power of fasting. So these are three of the seven principles that I hit in the book. So the power of fasting, I would say meditation in the Bible, praying in tongues, and fasting food have been the greatest uh, spirit enhancers, spiritual uh, development enhancers in my life. And I cannot overemphasize the power of fasting food. Is One of the biggest things is, and this is, we live in such a noisy, harsh generation, and I found that fasting disconnects me from the noise, and my soul gets quiet. And when my soul gets quiet, God's word goes from a tapping hammer to a sledgehammer. It goes from a whisper to a roar. And I begin to get defined by his word, and I begin to connect with the fact that I'm a pilgrim and a stranger in this earth. And that I don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. Fasting has released. And I, I go in the book, I lay out, I don't know, 15 to 20 blessings that I've encountered in my life through fasting. And it, it's just a must if we're going to move forward in these days because the God of our bellies are governing so much of the noise and the chaos in this culture. And we've got to declare war on it in this day. So those are three of the seven, but they've brought great transformation to my life. Wow, I love that. And I like something you say in your book, too, about praying in tongues. And you, you talk about at about the 20-minute mark, um, you move into a place where God's thoughts become your thoughts, God's prayers become your prayers, and you begin to see and believe for God's activity in your life and in the lives of others. That's so powerful. I think we all have um, at least 20 minutes that we can spend praying in tongues, even if it's in the car or on the way to work or um, right when you first wake up. Um, right before the kids wake up. I just think, yeah, that's that's definitely powerful. Now, in 2003, you had an amazing encounter. You were in a service, and you had this uh, encounter. For, I think it was about a couple of hours that you were out in the spirit. Can you um, talk about that? Yeah, I was in a, um, in a pastor's meeting, and uh, I'm listening to one pastor speak, and then one of the other pastors starts whispering in my ear that he had had a, uh, that his wife had actually had a dream the night before. And in this dream, she saw an old hardcover English book called Histories of Revival. And she had read different accounts of revival through history and had read accounts from like John Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney. And she had come to a chapter and, and, and she had seen that I had written a chapter in the book. And it's like she had gone in the future and was reading all the accounts of revival that had uh, happened through my ministry. And as he began to tell me this, I literally began to feel a whirlwind, like literal wind start surrounding me. And before I knew it, I was in the middle of a, of a visitation. And for two hours, the Holy Spirit kept speaking the same two phrases to me over and over again. And the phrase, the one, of the first phrase was this, Corey, you haven't seen the grace that I'm about to release on a generation for prayer, fasting, and consecration. And then the second one, he says, but it's got to be done together with brothers and sisters in community. And he kept saying that over and over and over again to me. And so that, in 2003, really began, I, I tried to grab a group of people. It didn't do that well. I grabbed another 50 to 100 young people in our school in Kansas City and 
in 2008 and 9 and it did well we saw fruit and there's still some really good things that have come out of that but i'm still like god what you put inside of me i know it's for the masses there's this deep training and discipleship thing in me to bind together and say how far will you let me go god how abandoned will you let me be i don't want to live on the fringes of a religious system i want a whole new breed to come forth and so a lot of those things are burning in my spirit right now in this season that's connected to that visitation, and I'm ready to blow a trumpet and call masses to tether themselves to this reality and that we do it together. It's marked my life. Wow, that, that's so good. And, um, and recently, uh, in 2019, God told you that the baptism of fire is here and it's coming. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was getting this in 2019. Uh, you know, I didn't know what 2020 was going to look like. Um, but, um, you know, I just knew the baptism of fire. You know, it, John the Baptist in all four Gospels, the most repeated statement of John the Baptist about Jesus is, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he, and, he, and he talks about it in terms of judgment, like it's going to the fire gets up on the inside of us, and it reforms us, it conforms us, and it changes us from the inside out. And I believe that the fire of God, I believe a lot of the pressures that have been growing in this last year, I believe that the fire of God's being applied to our life, and it's about conforming us, it's about burning up the chaff of religion, exposing apathy, compromise, sin, uh, backsliddenness, and it's beginning to confront and get up into the space that religion would never touch, and honestly, that peace and prosperity never touches. And I believe we've all been crying out, God, I want the fullness. Well, he's got to do the fire to be a preparatory work to prepare room in us for his glory. And the fire has coming, and, and for a while, the fire will mess things up. It just messes things up. Luke 12, Jesus says, I have come to bring fire to the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. And he talks about even division within families. Do you think I came to bring peace? Not at all, but rather division. And this is the thing about fire. It will separate for a season, but it's unto unity on his terms. I want to say that again. Fire will release for a season division to bring about true unity on his terms. And it will get up in the middle of the most intimate family relationships marriages, children, and when the fire of God touches your life, it's, it just messes stuff up. Because we, and, and I believe that the fire of God began in 2019, and I'm only seeing an increase, and God's gonna, not going to relent on this thing, and he's going to change us through the process. Amen. That's powerful. And um, a few years ago, uh, God told you, if you build it, I will come. And he was talking about being vessels to carry his presence. Can you teach on that for a minute? I mean, it's connected to the fire. But at the end of the day, everybody everybody loves impartation lines. I love them. Everybody loves the conferences. Everybody loves the anointings and the YouTube videos. But I believe God is wanting to transition us from just receiving impartations. and Because this is what the Lord told me. Because our lives don't match the impartation, we can't steward what we've received, and it becomes a memory in two weeks. And I believe that by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding her rooms are filled. And I believe God's calling a generation to build lives, which means living 
in secret before God in prayer, fasting, all the stuff I've talked about, a life of prayer builds the internal structure to handle the exterior anointing, to handle the outpouring of the Spirit, and so that the anointing doesn't crush us, but that we can actually steward the grace of God. And so I go through of talking about wisdom, the fear of the Lord, dealing with laziness in this culture, and how to swim upstream to build vessels that can contain its glory. Wow, that, that's so good. And can you, um, before, before we go, can you pray whatever God's telling you to pray over the listeners right now? Absolutely. Father, I pray. This is my prayer, is that by wisdom a house is built and by understanding her rooms are filled. God, I pray for every person listening that they would know that they have the attention of heaven. And God, I pray that they would give themselves, that they would go into their rooms and shut the doors. And that they would shut out all the voices of our culture, shut off all the social media outlets, shut off all the voices in our culture, and that they would begin to make eye contact with Abba. I pray, God, that you would release a prayer revolution in this generation. I pray for secret prayer, public prayer, corporate prayer. And I pray that you would release a revival of prayer in this hour. God, I pray that you would bring us to our knees and awaken our need for you, and that you would awaken us like never before god we need you so desperately in our nation and in the earth call us to our knees and connect us with the eyes of abba and release heaven into the earth in the name of jesus amen amen thank you Corey. and i just wanted to remind you guys that Corey has a brand new book called teach us to pray prayer that accesses heaven and changes earth and he also recorded a three cd audio teaching series called experiencing heaven's throne room you've been listening to messianic vision with our guest corey russell and now here's sid roth to tell you how you can get the special resource god told corey russell this generation does not know how to pray corey's brand new book will release a radical shift of intimacy and authority in your prayer life you'll discover how to tune out the distractions and the busyness of our culture and have a supernatural hunger to sit at the feet of Jesus, see God's power manifested in your family and all of your circumstances, and develop a deep, deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit. In Corey's brand new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series, Experiencing Heaven's throne room, Corey will teach you how to ascend to the throne of God and see His power manifested in your family, your circumstances, and your world. From this place, you can release the government of heaven through your very words. Don't miss Corey's brand new book, Teach Us to Pray, Prayer That Accesses Heaven and Changes Earth and his brand-new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series, Experiencing Heaven's Throne Room, for an investment of only $35. U.S. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9724. 
Once again, that's offer number 9724.